welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Back from a little break. It's been a weird year, but overall, uh, we're coming out of it uh, doing okay. My first guest uh, returning back, he's a singer-songwriter. Um, he uh, leads the band Onyx Cone. Uh, his record, Still in the Earthquake, just came out uh, about a month ago. Uh, really uh, dope. Uh, interesting eclectic record uh we're going to talk all about it we're going to talk a little bit about what he does and why he does it so thank you very much mark hubing for joining me today you're welcome thanks for having me good to see you ben good to see you mark uh how are you how's your day i'm doing good thanks i was cleaning up some stuff outside and was doing a little bit of uh recording for what might be a new venture and now i'm just kind of chilling in the uh electric lights <laughs> in the uh in the office yeah a little little layer i've been building recently <laughs> gotta have a layer it's it's crucial these days yeah yeah well we talk about a mr nice guy we talk love and fear passion and creativity and so mark uh we've known each other for a couple of years now uh, we first met i believe it was at bremen cafe in 2019 Got to catch an Onyx Cone show. Um, that was a fun night. I remember it was a pretty uh, eclectic bill. You had you guys. There was the Quills, I remember. Some electro oh, yeah. pop stuff. Uh, yes. Yeah, that was a fun night. That was a good opportunity to play a, a, a first show with the group uh, lineup we were then. And I was thankful to have uh, uh, Audible Kink and the Quills play um yeah that was nice just knowing those guys throughout the last you know batch of years and that was fun yeah first things first mark where are you from where'd you grow up i'm kind of from southeastern wisconsin half hour north of milwaukee i grew up there and kind of bounced around lived in different towns over the next 35 years and uh i now live in franklin which is southwest of milwaukee by about 20 minutes there yeah yeah um right on well i'd love to hear a bit about kind of how music all started for you like where did you kind of first uh like pick it up as a passion and find a creative outlet in it um our uh, i grew up in the church uh uh pentecostal christian church and we had a very lively music scene in the church and I sort of fell in love with one of the sounds and realized that was a bass guitar. So I uh, wanted to learn the bass guitar and I did around age 14, started learning it. And we kind of formed a, uh, something of a, a, a Christian grunge punk rock band with a few friends. Uh, so we, we named ourselves Satan Basher and wow. uh, yeah. That's pretty edgy, man. <laughs> yeah, we were bringing the Christian edge into punk rock. <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> Satan better run, man. Yeah, he better. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, just listening to music in, in cars growing up and, and the alternative radio and um oldies uh so i think my love of music somehow blended with uh the the deeper 
um, kind of darker sounds of some of these Christian songs, uh, as well as with the, you know, what, what could be known as praise and worship songs. So right there, you have a pretty wide range of like dark and ominous sounds, and then these kind of ruckus, joyous sounds. Um, so that blending with my love of the oldies, which I fell in love with, kind of primarily 60s and 70s singer-songwriter rock and roll, and then um, mainstream alternative pop music in the late 90s. Uh, that whole blend, I think, pretty much sets the tone for uh, the kind of music that I have been writing over the last uh, 20 years. Awesome. Right on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you touched on a little bit of everything. Kind of how would it evolve into what would become Onyx Cone for you? Um, I think probably through just continuously writing and realizing, okay, that was a little bit, that song or that verse or that line or that phrase, like, I'm, I'm proud of that. And that progression just continued. Um, I mean, I started writing songs when I was 15, and I still have lots of little uh, clips of pieces of paper or you know a, a stanza of ideas I'm sure a lot of singers and songwriters do but just to be able to look at those over the years and then to continue writing and okay you know see that all right these are this is kind of maybe like my best song now for example and then you uh you have a relationship with that song and for me, it's like, I, I love it. I mean, I'm excited about it. It does something for me. I hope it does something for someone else. Um, and then the relationship changes with the song and perhaps it becomes not as important or perhaps it's not as emotionally driven. And now it's a matter of mechanics of um, really getting the guitar structure down correctly or um, you know, working on the vocal aspects of it. But as far as the music on this album, uh, it's a selection of 10 songs, which I thought would be best for a full band sound. Um, and they're not necessarily cohesive as far as a, uh, uh, the, the theme of an album or anything like that. It, it wasn't, it wasn't that. Uh, I didn't collect them for, for that intention. I mostly collected them thinking, okay, I think these are probably 10 songs that would really work best as full band songs and would showcase a bit of the versatility of my songwriting and um, just decided to, once I had that group, just to go from there and, and start getting into the work of recording them. Right on, awesome. Um, it's my understanding that it was, so you've gone through some lineup changes over time, right? Right. Yes. So when you did the, I know you started, you had the Burn It Slow EP, uh, was that 2018, I believe? Um, yeah. Had you had a band at that time yet? Uh, not that time, not at that time. I, I've been in and out of bands for the last 15, 20 years, realistically. But um, during that time, I was mostly uh, focusing on what I wanted to do uh, at that time. And I figured, okay, I'm really 
I'm the most prepared with my own songs at this point. So how about I lay down six songs as like a solo EP and added some little backing vocals and snaps and mm -hmm. stuff like that, just to give it a, a little more frosting. And um, yeah, just kind of went from there with that. And then, and then tried uh, um, building a band and over the course of the next two years was sort of going back and uh, uh, in, in and out of different players who were interested at the time. And um, yeah, lots of things happened in there. And uh, so the, the building of the band has been um, a long road and it's still not complete. Although I've been rehearsing um, with the same group of three other players now for the last uh, two months or so. And I suppose the goal is to get things ready over the winter to be playing the material of this album in the spring. Sure. Um, but I've also been trying to be more lenient with uh, what is happening in the flow of things that happen in life. And um, it's a fascinating thing to try and have the type of discernment to know what is working and what is not really working, and then to sort of meditate on that and decide, okay, do I need to push harder at this, or should I, or, or you know, do you, should you push harder at one thing, or should you sort of allow it to exist as it is naturally and pursue something that perhaps seems to have more momentum? Mm -hmm. um, so in the past, I think I've been very rigid about trying to make something happen the way I want to make it in the exact way that I want to do it. Um, so I, I think I've learned and am continuing to learn to try and be a bit more patient in that regard and and uh, allow things to uh, sort of un reveal themselves uh, in the time that they're ready to. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I hear you. I've been the same way myself, uh, where it's very, you just have a very uh, kind of cut and dry vision for how you want something to play out. But, yeah. <laughs> and life is unpredictable. Uh, sure. Definitely has been the last few years. So um, adaptability is a virtue uh, these days, for sure. Um, so who, uh, who is playing with you now? Um, a drummer named Alex Jordan. Uh, he is a mostly retired drummer. He actually played with uh, a reggae R&B group in the, in the 70s and 80s called The Chefs. And um, it's been great to meet Alex and especially uh, sort of selfishly, it's been really cool to hear his stories about who he's played with He's shared the stage with uh, Aretha Franklin and B Bob Marley and the Whalers, and oh, wow. it's, been, it's been really cool to hear hear about that. And um, uh, so uh, I'm also playing with a, a bassist named uh, Gar Longworth, and he's played in and out of groups in in Milwaukee, and um, they're both retired, and that's been awesome for scheduling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, I recently brought on a keyboardist named Sam Sarmento, who has a lot of skills on uh, keyboards, especially regarding sounds and synthesizers. So 
this this is a new it's a new group uh, the four of us so we've been we've been playing together and working stuff out and talking about what we want to do and seeing uh how we how we want to play these songs because the songs on the record are really thick with layers of um vocals and lots of instruments and there there are pretty much uh backing vocals on every song and there are lead solos on i believe every song ranging from electric guitar to to keyboards carrying the main solos so now we're sort of working out okay how do we want to uh present these songs uh as, as a four piece yeah with every new iteration of the band and with every new new or different musician um that's always gonna like affect how the band operate like the band how the band operates cohesively um because you know every 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 musician like uh has their own uh dynamic to bring um right. but that could be really fun and and cool to watch like how it changes how it stays the same over time where'd the name onyx cone come from um that was just a a, a combination of words that i um uh i kind of fell in love with because I, I i was coming out of a a pretty intense breakup uh and i was grieving the loss of that situation and i then got into the dirty work of uh self-healing and you know get, getting over that and sort of in there i was doing a lot of reading and listening to um YouTube videos and reading articles and stuff, you know, about personal healing and um, um, th there are these attributes about the onyx stone that I sort of fell in love with sort of uh, one of them, if I'm remembering correctly, was a bit about uh, finding some sort of spark amongst the void, like when you're in that deep, dark suffering of whatever it is. Um, and everything seems meaningless, hopeless, uh, et cetera. Um, to be able to sit and meditate in that place, uh, th th there can eventually be a spark of choice, I think. And it's a choice to uh, continue and to uh, uh, that spark to just want to progress. Um, so that that was part of the part of the attributes of the onyx stone that I'd heard about. And then this word cone is a is a Buddhist word. It's kind of like the word parable in the uh, Judeo Christian uh, themes. Um, and it, it it's sort of a it's a word that represents a saying or a story that challenges our own idea of enlightenment. This is a, a word that. Uh, the Buddhist gurus would use to teach uh, their their uh, students about dissolving their idea of enlightenment. Uh, so the combination of this to me is sort of um, an empowering challenge about what we think we want. Um, and uh, I sort of smushed those two words together and I, I had my lists just like any other bands did about deciding band names and eventually just sort of had to make a decision that was part of my own uh, 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 journey as well about being more decisive as a person and so I figured that's a good place to start decide a band name and stick with it <laughs> yeah once 
once you nail it down, uh, you're not getting rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You better hope it sticks and works. So, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, it, it sounds like it has. Um, and I, I do appreciate the, the sentiments um, that you're kind of um, alluding to about the idea of like, you know, yeah, going after what you want and thinking critically about how you exist relative to the world around you and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, that is a big part of my songwriting. Um, uh, I think if it was, if, if my style had to be summed up, it, it would be largely that. It would be um, predominantly analytical regarding our nature and um, how we relate to ourselves and to the world. And um, there's there's a lot of those there are a lot of those themes in the songs on this on, on the album yeah yeah uh where'd the title come from uh still in the earthquake uh that though that title that, that's actually the last phrase that's uttered on the album and i was uh noticing that and when i was writing the song that that phrase is in i wrote that phrase still in the earthquake to sort of have a double meaning as in, firstly, to uh, look at reality for what it is, which in my opinion, there will always be suffering. And what are we to do with that? And how do we relate to it? So I think addressing it, in my opinion, is a healthy thing. And to realize that in one form or another, um, suffering will always exist. So to address it is to not have a fantastic mindset or, or a, a fantasy-minded mindset, because I personally have gotten in trouble in my life having um, fantastic or fantastical types of ideologies. Uh, and secondly, it is coming to a place of stillness or acceptance or agreement or peace with, with this. So how then can we live peacefully in our own minds with this idea? So it's sort of a challenge. It was a challenge to me when I was writing it and thinking about this phrase. Um, so that's kind of, kind of how it happened. I just decided to use that phrase. And uh, I had a pinwheel diagram of all the main themes and words and phrases that I thought were sort of uh becoming repeated or at least stuck out in the songs and i was going to name it lady light the fire on the old man's land but uh i didn't think that that came across in the way that i wanted it to and i was trying to rephrase it and so i had some different iterations of that but again coming back to decisiveness just had to make a decision and stick to it at some point yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because otherwise you're gonna be throwing it around uh yes you know till the sun comes up <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i get that i don't know that's uh you know i can appreciate that too because you know there's like obviously like all of us have you know based on different material conditions or or identities or marginalizations like everyone has various levels of suffering right but how can we respond to that not only but as 
ourselves, but as, you know, the collective as well. And, you know, it's a big thing in therapy. It's like, well, it's not about the trauma or the, the problems that you have, but how are you responding to them? And, and yeah. that's how you make something out of nothing at the end of the day. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. As far as I'd love to hear more about the recording process, because I know that it's my understanding that. Uh, um, so I think you said last time we spoke that like um, there was uh, it was a bit of a roller coaster uh, getting this thing recorded and finalized. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a I mean, from from the first day in the studio till it was released digitally was uh, about two and a half years. And uh, so for, for all of us uh, musicians and bands that uh, started recording in January 2020, uh, we all know what happened that year. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I started uh, laying down scratch tracks, me and so uh, singing and playing guitar. And um, uh, there's a drummer that uh, was referred to me who used to drum in LA and moved back to Wisconsin because he fell out of love with the scene in LA and wanted to pursue audio video. And uh, so he drummed on this album. So we had, uh, I think three sessions uh, that were like eight hours, seven hours and six hours, I'm pretty sure. Um, so we were able to knock the drums out in those sessions. And then uh, I met a bass player that I really liked off of Craigslist during that time named John Blessing. Uh, the drummer's name is uh, Jesse Jensema, and the bass player's name is John Blessing. And John and I hit it off. I felt like I was in high school again. He was a young kid. He was 18 when, when we oh. met, and we just, we just clicked. And John is awesome, and he played bass guitar on all this. He went to Berkeley. He's got really great extensive jazz uh, knowledge on bass guitar. And uh, um then I I did my uh, acoustic tracks and some electric, uh, some hollow body electric tracks and redid a bunch of that when we were mixing actually too. I redid a bunch here um, just to kind of fill the songs out a little bit more. And um, there's a keyboard player on most of these songs named Curtis Crump Jr. He's from Racine and he lives in LA now. He's this working out there. Yeah, uh, he, he did some really awesome keyboard work and uh, a gentleman that I was working with that I met at work his name is Orlando Santiago and he's been very vague about his he's a really awesome humble strong person and he's been very vague about his his uh, his guitar playing so I don't really know his history about it I just know that he can shred and I was really happy to have him play on a lot of these songs too yeah. and um, I also brought on a different electric guitarist for a few songs his name is Don Gunderson and he's got a predominantly metal uh, guitar playing style to him and I thought he did some awesome work on a couple of these songs uh, he played on I think two or three songs and a uh, local Milwaukee saxophone uh, trumpet player named uh, Brett Westfall played on. Uh, on uh, great too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was really fun working with him. And he he's he, he played on the song called Alabaster Telecaster. And 
and he knows how to blow that thing. So um, I, I was really happy with what he did there. And uh, then I brought on uh, two singers from the, uh, they described themselves as a, a lady rock trio from uh, uh, primarily out of Kenosha and Racine, I think area. Uh, their band is called Violet Wilder. So oh, they're um, great. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Uh, so Jaina and Melissa were able to, to um, um, lay some tracks down here at my little studio and they did an awesome job. They did a, such an incredible job. So uh, there's one song called Blazing Warrior, which has, which really features uh, their, their skills. That's, that's probably my favorite track on the record, actually. Oh, really? Interesting. That's, that's interesting to hear. Would you mind saying why that you, you think that's your favorite one? Oh, you know, um, I was going to get into this in a sec, like that, for one, I just, I think the sound of the record is super like rich. You got some rock and roll, you've got some dub, you've got some folk elements into it. It's just like, um, kind of like just a really cool um, intersection of, of like style and groove. And I like that song a lot because you, I know you really lean into the dub uh, side with that song. And um, it just, it, it feels like a, kind of empowering song makes you feel like you're really like pushing through adversity kind of which sort of the whole like title sort of uh suggests I, I i enjoy listening to that song as i'm walking to work lately wow awesome that's yeah. cool to hear i'm glad well thank you for sharing your opinion on it that's great yeah, of course um you got a really dope cast of uh really awesome musicians on this thing yeah yeah, I'm really thankful. Um, you know, just people that I've met um, through throughout, uh, really probably through through the last uh, maybe seven or eight years. Um, I mean, I've been been meeting and playing with musicians for the last twenty years, but yeah, very thankful that everyone who played was interested and able and willing and wanted to be a part of it. Um, so I think I think that is all of the instrumentation if i can remember and then i personally did a lot of backing vocals and, and sang and i sang lead vocals um i th i think that's about it as far as instrumentation goes and and the, and the the production the layering and the, the mixing and mastering um i was just very thankful for i i should say i recorded uh vocals drums bass guitar and some other some other uh, backing vocals, I think, and such at Beyond Audio Recording with Jason Otto in West Bend, Wisconsin. And then we mixed this. Uh, I, I found a, a mixing engineer named Christopher Short with his own um, his own business called um, Alpaca Ranch Recordings, and he practices primarily out of Chicago and Milwaukee. He used to live in Orlando, Florida. Um, where he where he first started his business and and now primarily works between Chicago and Milwaukee, um, and he brought just another layer of life to these songs, and I was just really psyched about. And I researched him and his website and saw his samples and stuff, and I saw a really wide range of his abilities on his songs, ranging from uh, hip hop, rap, trap, rock, emo, um, pop rock and roll and i was like okay i think that sort of is in the 
vein of a little bit of all this styling in these songs. So I was really, really happy with what he did. And then he suggested that we get these mixed by what he who he referred to as his boy. Um, so I was <laughs> like, okay, uh, let me check this guy out. His name is Garrett Haynes, and he works out of uh, Pennsylvania. And his company, his business is called uh, Tree Lady Mastering. Um, and then again, he brought just another layer, uh, just a new perspective and another layer of audio engineering to, to this project. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much the full scope there. Hey, thank you for sharing all that, Mark. It's, uh, yeah, sounds like you're in cahoots with some real uh, uh, wizards. Um, <laughs> yeah. Release a lead single uh, last fall, about a year ago, uh, Alabaster Telecaster, you mentioned yeah. it. Love to hear a bit more about that song and kind of why you chose to uh, release that one first. I think that one is was probably maybe my most interesting song that I've written for a while, in my opinion, just because I I'm, I might have my own personal relationship with it, but I was aiming to write a, a slow, obscure ballad. And I was experimenting with different chords. And I've I'm mostly just a folk rhythm guitarist. And I I've picked stuff up here and there, but I, I I'm not a, a progressively skilled guitarist. So I was experimenting with different chords and structures, and I played this chord and it just sounded like it was ready to be an upbeat song. Um so the song itself has a lot of different themes. Uh, I mean, the first line of the song is would you believe it if I told you I was even starting to walk like her? And they might say like, oh, that's an interesting um, you know, picture. What does that really mean? Well, for me, that meant what happens when a person loses themselves in a relationship. For example, um, I was reflecting on different times where I had lost my own presence and my own center. And I was kind of subconsciously or not acting out of types of ways that people act needy either for emotional you know stability or confidence boosting and um so the song goes from there to talk about uh, search for meaning and there's an angry owl referenced in this song so what's that all about well an owl is notoriously um an archetype for wisdom and I've heard it said that the more you know, the angrier you become. And I think that's kind of fun, a funny thing to think about. Um, so I added that line in there. Um, but it's also, the song is also, it's it's an upbeat kind of jazzy pop indie rock tune with sort of elements of seeking and yearning and failing mm -hmm. and finding that sort of fortitude to progress through it. And um, I know from personal experience that my darkest times have bred the most deep um, cultivation. Mm -hmm. And I prayed for salvation during it. But at this time, I wouldn't change those times for anything because uh, it forced me to really look at myself and who I was and who I had been and what my responsibility was that led to these kind of times of demise 
So uh, in a nutshell, it's kind of like a poppy, jazzy song about all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I relate to a lot of that, man. Darkness does breed wisdom, you know, I, because obviously darkness sucks, but yeah, but giving it credit um, to, to, to allow yourself to like kind of rebirth yourself and grow and prosper as a person. Um, Going back to those mantras we were discussing earlier about, we all have to figure out how to respond to our adversity in, um, in our own ways. and also recognize how that adversity is relative to the world around you and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, no, I, I relate to those sentiments and it's a, it's a pretty cool song. It's grab your purpose by the neck and just mm. like, and just like, push, like shake it around and pull it in, you know, cause, um, cause that can be, that can be really hard as you know, you're going through adulthood yeah right yeah absolutely <laughs> i think um, it's i think it's good to remember though that our, our our purpose can change and we can we can tell ourselves what our what our purpose is and i've that, that's been a personal struggle of mine for a long time and um i'm trying to address that in different ways i'm in therapy myself and i'm interested to study more uh, about um about psychotherapy and uh um yeah i think i think you're you're totally right about you know that that idea of grabbing our purpose by the neck i I really like that imagery uh i I like that a lot but i I also think we need to be patient and compassionate with ourselves and allow it to change and you know come to fruition yeah precisely uh because it doesn't happen overnight um so that said, uh, Mark, you were kind of foreshadowing a little bit when we first started recording that you're working on some new stuff. Um, would love to hear that now that the record's out. Um, yeah, what what what's next for you? What's going on? Well, I'm in a bit of a reclusive, meditative phase now. I, I think because this journey of getting this record done was took quote unquote took so long um and uh i mean these are all instruments being played uh there weren't i didn't use any sampling so it it was a long process as far as um readying people to play and deciding which tracks to use and stuff like that so i think i'm just taking a big breath right now just being thankful that this is done and um, it was something that I wanted to do for a long time, make a record. I've been wanting to make a full studio record since I was 17. And you might say, well, you know, geez, it took you 24 years to do it. No, And uh, it's like, well, yes, it did. Um, and in in all that time, uh, there's been a lot of life experience and lessons along the way. Um, but so I am taking a bit of a pause. I'm not giving myself more than I can... Uh, handle right now and um all the while i've been you know recording little bits of stuff when i feel like it and haven't written anything for a while but definitely have a lot of songs that i've written in the past um seven or eight years which i i i still feel a special connection to and they still do something for me and i i still would like to release uh 
music in the future because the, these songs were very important to me at the time. And um, it's funny going back and listening to songs that you haven't heard for a while. I just listened to that song by LP, Lisa um, per Perigoli. I forget what her last name, that song called Lost on You. Um, I just listened to that last night and I, I fell in love with that song like two years ago and pretty much everything she was doing. And it's just fascinating to listen to something you haven't listened to for a long time and remember how much meaning it holds for those of us that that uh, uh, get get this type of a, an effect out of a song. So music will always be there for me as a pastime and a hobby and a type of work. But now I'm starting to address what type of role I have in my relation to music. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a reclusive meditative time about it right now, to be honest, yeah. Mm -hmm. Understandable. It sounds like, a, you know, it, it was a pretty vast endeavor for a long time and it's, you owe it to yourself to, yeah, take a, take a, a breather and uh, yeah, just think of, reflect on the process and what you, how you want to run with it. Um, so right. that totally makes sense. And, um, uh, and you said that you're, you know, you're working with your, uh, band right now on, on the songs and you might get some shows going. So that's definitely a good thing to keep you busy for a while. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some intrigue to, to work in the woodshed now over the winter and, and, uh, be excited to play some fun shows in the, in the future in spring. Yeah. Hope so. Um, Aside from that, uh, I'd love to touch on your your podcast, Local Chords. Um, so yeah, you okay. you and I uh, um, picked each other's brains about like interviewing local artists and um, and kind of experimenting with the podcast format. Um, and I know that you you know you have like uh, different guests like. Um, with each edition and you uh, have incorporated bits into your podcast. And I'd, I'd love to hear more about sort of what enticed you to, to pursue um, uh, local chords. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the, that bassist that I met on Craigslist who, who played on the album, uh, he and I just really hit it off as people. And we threw around the idea of, well, well how about starting a podcast? Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, that sounds fun. Okay, so, well, what is it? What would it be? And we sort of came up with the idea that we we wanted to create a, a comedic podcast show which highlighted local music. And um, so we we ran that show, that, that podcast show. We released one episode per week pretty much for a full year. And I think... Uh, well, he, he ran into some health issues with his shoulder regarding his nervous system. And it was, it was very uncomfortable for him to do a lot of things, including sit for a long period of time. And he was just, he was going through a lot with that. So un, uh, it was understandable that he uh, told me that he didn't think that he would be able to do that anymore. So we, we put that on pause. And I did a few episodes after that by myself, maybe 10 or 15 episodes. And, and then um, I, I uh, set that project down and um, 
I I love what we did. I, I think our shows are funny and they're informative. We, we talked with a lot of bands and musicians from the Milwaukee area. We did like little goofy commercials that we made up on our own. It was, in my opinion, it was kind of like uh, an audio representation of Saturday Night Live or something like that. Like we, we just wanted to make it funny and fun. And that was our goal. And that's what we did. And uh, I'm I'm toying lately with the idea of revamping a podcast show that is more geared toward personal progression in the scope of um, personal healing, mental health, uh, dealing with emotional issues, trauma, stuff like that. Because these, as you can tell, that that's really, you know, where I'm at as a person. I'm, I'm interested in this type of stuff. And I feel like I've uh, learned a lot of things through uh, trauma. And um, I'm always interested in that type of thing. That's what I watch on YouTube. And I listen to podcasts regarding that type of thing. And I happen to think I'm pretty funny. And, uh, you know, I want to sort of perhaps incorporate that into a new type of a, a platform. But um, again, um, during this meditative, reflective time, I'm, I'm uh, looking at possibilities now. Done. Well, sounds cool. Fun formula that, that you developed um and it sounds like it worked for a long time and i can tell that you know you really enjoy it just from the way you're talking about it uh, so <laughs> it was so it was really fun to do i mean it's so yeah. fun to do as you know you know and we, we were yeah. so thankful that that you and alan were hosting it on on the breaking and entering platform really thankful for that and yeah yeah no problem um like i said we it there's a lot of time and energy that goes into doing productions like these. Um, and I, I, I think that the interface of podcasting is often when you think of it, it's in a pretty skeletal uh, design where it's just one or two people just talking with a microphone in front of them. Often there's not video. Um, they pick a topic and they run with it. Um, which, you know, is great. Like there's many, many great podcasts that are pretty simplistic by design, but they work and people like it. But there's also some really kind of innovative uh, uh, approaches to it that have that people have been doing. Like uh, one of my favorite, it's not exactly a podcast as much as it's more of just like a interview, you, interviewing YouTube channel. Um, there's actually- okay. There's two of them I like, but um, I, there's these guys that like go into VR and they interview people about real world shit uh, in VR and they'll, their avatars are like, like cartoon characters or video game characters. Like you have Winnie the Pooh talking to Link from Legend of Zelda <laughs> about some like rare disorder or rare disease that one of them has or something like that. it's like huh. it's really fascinating so uh the 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 like the 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 channels on youtube that i like one of them is sirmore uh yeah he's great and then azeal uh also does it too um okay i can send those to you uh because i think it's almost in like a, a bojack horseman or like a midnight gospel type of absurdity juxtaposing uh very like mortal and 
visceral topics. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. It's yeah, it's some it's definitely like grounded me like as far as like perspective goes. You recognize that people everyday people have been through shit that you might not know anything about or have seen some truly fucked up shit or dealt with some really fucked up adversity that no one should ever have to go through or experience. And the fact that they're here to give it, you know, to tell the tale. Um, but also with this, with this uh, element of like absurdity, like, you know, just in this cartoonish environment is something that just, I don't know, really makes you look at life a little differently i don't know but yeah it's uh yeah. really cool i recommend people check that stuff out that's interesting yeah i i think that's a the the idea of like you said the, the absurdity mixed with the seriousness i i think uh that's really important um even related even regarding like a a character like the jester or a clown uh yeah. you know these things have a way in my opinion to remind us about the um the the temporary aspects of even our suffering or our pain or something deep and crushing like uh it, it might not be easy to see it at first but then all of a sudden the jester can remind us of the hilariousness of it like for someone who's made it through something really tough uh sometimes you can laugh at it yeah. in the future you know yeah yeah that's interesting definitely definitely like yeah it, it also makes you realize just how like ephemeral like everything is because like these conversations are occurring in real time, but in in just such a uh, such a like almost like a postmodern environment um, where you can where it's used as a form of escapism for the people involved, but it's also like when you're watching it, it gives the same effect, and mm -hmm. it's like wow, I mean. This feels like it's not real, but it definitely is real. And these people are having a real conversation and really actually interacting with, you know, the world within within this. Yeah. Um, Mark, I uh, really have uh, enjoyed uh, having you on the show tonight and uh, sharing space with you to talk about your music, your record, uh, you know, healing and philosophy and, you know, all the all, we cover all the bases, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Except for heavy metal and rap. There's no heavy metal or rap on the album. But other than that, yeah. That's okay. Shout out to heavy metal and <laughs> shout out to rap. Because yeah. <laughs> you you're, you you found the sound that makes sense for you in, at this time. And that's, what, that's what's important. Um, so as we're closing out, I ask everyone the same two questions. Um, First things first, Mark. Uh, first is, what keeps you up at night? Um, that's interesting. Um, I try to practice uh, some some meditative principles, like 
notice your thought and run with it through the duration of it and then release it and kind of return to breathing. And I do that a lot when I'm falling asleep. So I think what keeps me up is when I don't catch myself and it's just keeps running. And it's like, I'm, you know, there's that weird time between being awake and fall asleep where you realize your consciousness is in a different place, but you don't realize it until you realize it. And I think that's what leads into a dream. So I, th I suppose that's what keeps me up. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And you get into the, the lucid dreaming and everything. Uh -huh. uh, that's a, a tale for another day. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. Well, my second question for you is what puts you to sleep? What puts me to sleep? Got to use up your daily energy. First off, I would say, yeah. You know, we're never going to get everything done that we want to get done in a day, probably. Um, but yeah, I think I've really learned to try and use up my energy. Uh, and I'm, I'm doing a bad job of that lately. And I think when I'm in my best rhythm of, of life energy during the day and my mind and body know when to sleep, uh, yeah, just be fully into the moment of whatever it is that you're doing. And hopefully we won't have any regrets that way. And we can be, so if we're fully present and we're giving the moment our full attention and full awareness, hopefully we're not doing anything that we're like, oh, I wish I would have said that then. Well, maybe you should try and practice saying what you want to say in a moment of when it's going on and yeah. we won't have anything to, to regret. Well, that's just conversational instance, but yeah, we got to use up our energy during the day, I think, to be sleepy at night. <laughs> I Dude, I hear you. When I'm, after you get off an eight-hour shift, I, like, you don't want to do anything else, you know? Uh -uh. Like, I, that's, <laughs> it's like, you know, a couple of years ago, like after I got off of work, it's like, oh yeah, like I want to go to a show or I want to go out or I want to do a podcast. Yeah. No, that's not happening. No. These days. <laughs> <laughs> I might crack open a hams, watch some YouTube, pet my cat, go to sleep. Um, well, Mark, uh, I had a great time. Uh, thank you again. Yeah, for me too, Ben. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It was good, good to see you again see you too and i hope to see you again soon um, yeah me too for everyone watching uh, i'll be tagging uh onyx cones so you can go look, scream their record uh still in the earthquake also be tagging local chords so you can go check out mark's podcast stay tuned to what he uh, does next in uh, 2023 so thank you for watching mr nice guy we'll see you next time yeah.